This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome back. Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Mariners Pod, thanks for being here. Hopefully you had a good weekend. Is We are in the stretch run here, the final week of the regular season. This should be a good one. I think you'll enjoy this podcast. Mark Simon is going to be here. He's, he joins us from time to time. We have a very good conversation on defense. He breaks it down for us pretty well. And what he and Sports Info Solutions, what they're doing, the advancements they're making on defense, the measurements, and some really interesting data on how the Mariners are doing in terms of their positioning, you know, you know where they're putting guys before pitches are thrown, that sort of thing, and how they measure that and, and where the Mariners rank in Major League Baseball. So that's going to come up in a few minutes. We'll re- quickly review the weekend that was and talk about the next three days as the Houston Astros come to town. Mariners taking on San Diego uh, in a home series on the road in San Diego. They lost game one, six to one. Uh, game two was interesting. Clevenger was supposed to get the start against the Mariners. He was scratched in the ball game. And Kyle Lewis just continues to put the finishing touches on what it, every day seemingly is more likely a rookie of the year season in the American League. A great catch defensively. Here's a swing and a fly ball into shallow center field, racing in, diving, and making the catch, Kyle Lewis. Holy smokes, what a catch by the kid. A broken bat fly ball into shallow straightaway center field. Off the bat of Manny Machado, Lewis racing in, dove for it, made the catch, and there's two outs for the Padres here in the top of the eighth inning. This kid has done it all, Kyle Lewis. He really has, and offensively as well, getting it done. Here's the pitch, swinging a high fly ball deep to left field. Profire going back, looking up, and goodbye baseball. Over the scoreboard in left field, the line score into the upper deck. Kyle Lewis with his 11th home run of the season. 28th run batted in. It's now the Mariners 4 and the Padres 1. And he wasn't the only rookie making it happen in Game 2 of the series. Justice Sheffield continues to surge. Six innings, one run ball, five punch outs against San Diego. Here's the 2-2 on the way. Swing and a miss and a slider down on the way in the dirt. Applying the tag is Terenz on the back of Grisham for strike three. Third strikeout for Justice Sheffield. And again, Sheffield gets himself out of trouble. Game three was a good one. The Mariners looking for the series win, facing Lamette, who's one of the best in the National League. He had the slider working. He had 10 strikeouts in six innings. This was a close game. Mariners trailing by two late in the bottom of the eighth inning, but then... Dylan Moore coming through. He continues to search. The stretch and the 2-0 pitch. Swing and a well-hit ball deep to left field. Profar going back, and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. Dylan Moore ties it up. Here in the bottom of the eighth inning, it's the Mariners 3, the Padres 3, Dylan Moore's eighth home run of the year. And this is a line shot into the lower deck and left here at Petco Park. 
Yeah, it stayed even until extra innings. Both teams score in the 10th, but then the Padres break through three runs in the 11th to grab a 7-4 victory, and they take the series over the Mariners two games to one. So the M's return home to take on the Houston Astros for three games. Marco Gonzalez gets the ball tonight, 6-10 first pitch at home against Lance McCullers. And then game two of the series, LJ Newsom will throw for the Mariners. Uh, Valdez will go for the Astros. And Marjavicius against Granke in game three of the series. 6-10, 6-10, on Wednesday. And that wraps up the series against Houston. Off day, and then four in Oakland, and that's it. The season is finished. First things first, though, the series against the Houston Astros this week. Before we get to Mark Simon, why don't we take a listen to what Scott Service had to say about the game yesterday and then uh, just about the series in general against the San Diego Padres. Yeah, that was uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, some really good pitching, some uh, big home runs, uh, some extra innings, uh, you know, drama to watch through it, but a uh, heck of an effort uh, by our team today. Really uh, happy uh, about how we went about it and, you know, really grinded through the ball game and, you know, starts with, uh, you know, Justin Dunn. What an awesome, uh, really bounced back outing after his last time out, really struggling. Uh, as good as we maybe seen him all year. Uh, I thought his, you know, uh, being able to command his pitches much better, got the breaking ball going as the game went on. And, uh, Again, like I said, a heck of an outing uh, by him, and hopefully he can build off that one here going forward. So, unfortunately, he was matched up against their best guy today, and, and Lamette was really good. Uh, you know, got good stuff, good slider. And, you know, I, you know, as we got into the game, obviously the uh, big hits, uh, you know, Dylan Moore with the, the big homer to tie the game, and then, you know, extra innings. Um, you know, we had the chances, had a chance there in the ninth and tenth to walk them off uh, in their ballpark, but, uh, you know, quite get enough uh, big hits there at the end. And that's, that's what it takes, you know, in a ball game like that against a really good team. So uh, again, a lot of positives uh, to take from the ball game today, you know, starting with, uh, you know, what Justin Dunn was able to do. How you push him on there. To... Go ahead, Greg. Never fun to see another team clinch a spot, uh, but maybe important for your guys to be in these kind of games and, and, and learn from it. Oh, huge, huge uh, opportunity for our guys to, to learn and be able to execute late in the game like that. You know, I go back to our 10th our inning to being able to tie the game up there. You know, we got young players, you know, we, we situational hit just outstanding, uh, you know, in that inning to tie the game. So, uh, you know, guys making pitches, making plays all over the place. So uh, really good experience for our players. And again, you know, the Padres are having a heck of a season. They got a good ball club. Uh, we played them very, very tough this year. I was hoping to, to get out of here uh, today, winning this series. To, you know, you got to give them credit; they got the big hits at the end. Scott, you uh, you you gave Dunn the chance to try and finish it out. I know you did it in in Anaheim. I think you did it one other time. I mean, it's it's all about that kind of learning experience in in that situation, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I think you know where we're at, trying to give those young pitchers, our young starters, an opportunity to work through it. And he was throwing the ball so well, obviously. You know, Moreland hit the double there uh, with two out, uh, second and third. And, you know, uh, he had handled Myers earlier in the ball game pretty well. And that was probably going to be his last hitter, uh, whether he got him or not. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, he got him down on the count. He made a mistake. Um, and I know uh, he's upset. I don't want, you know, that whole outing to be clouded by one bad pitch uh, because he certainly 
took a huge step forward today in what he's trying to get accomplished and 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 learn from and grow from. So again, uh, made one bad pitch, you know, uh, it cost him there at the end, but he'll learn from it. And the only way you learn is you got to be out in those spots, and he'll take uh, a lot of good from that today. You're learning about Dylan Morris. You go here, a couple of pretty clutch hits uh, for him. Really was. Uh, he started off the game a little rough. Uh, I don't think we got many good swings at all of them that today. And that slider he's got is about as good as anybody's in the league. Uh, and, and Demo was struggling with it all day and, and he got out of the game and, and he got ahead in the count against Pagan and, and put a really good swing on a fastball there. And then, you know, the big double later on uh, in the game with giving us a chance to, to possibly walk them off. But like I said, you got to give their bullpen credit. They made some big pitches at the end, uh, you know, to get out of some jams there in the ninth and 10th. And, you know, that happens in games like this. You know, it's about execution and who can get the big hit. And, you know, we just didn't get it today. Scott, I'm happier just to go back to T-Mobile and actually play home games at home, though. I mean, yeah, hopefully that you are. Ready to go back. There, there's no question about that. Uh, you know, the entire time, I give our guys a ton of credit. Didn't hear any complaining, anything else about the situation we're at. It's just, you know, like I said a couple days ago, it's, it's the hand we were dealt. we got to play the cards uh, that are in our hand. And I, I can't fault our effort at all on this entire trip. You know, the guys, that, that they come in, that they're preparing like they – they should, um, they're learning, they're making adjustments along the way. And these are meaningful games for us, uh, you know, and, and we're learning a lot from it. And we've got some more meaningful ones, a big series coming up against the Astros. So we're excited to get back home, um, kind of get in the familiar surroundings again and, and hopefully, you know, get those bats going. Yeah, so they will return home to face the Houston Astros for three. Meanwhile, we are going to turn to Mark Simon, Aaron Goldsmith and I had about defense. Well, this is a real treat. We get to talk to one of our favorite guys of the game. It is the great Mark Simon. Uh, we first met him when he was working at ESPN. Now he's one of the big wigs over at Sports Info Solutions, and he is not only looking at the numbers, but the numbers behind the numbers and telling us about these numbers that we don't even know exist. Mark, it's great to see you. Great to have you on with us. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I, I am, I guess, technically a big wig, but I think more likely a little wig. <laughs> <laughs> well, no matter what, uh, we always learn something. We learn a lot of things, actually, when we talk to you. You uh, have recently put out a piece uh, entitled Mariners Putting Their Fielders in the Right Place. And this gets into, of course, defensive positioning, defensive runs saved. Before we get into the real meat of the Mariners and what they're doing so well this year, which we want to learn about, Tell us a little bit more about how Sports Info Solutions are changing the way that you all look at defensive run saves, especially when through the lens of an infielder. Sure. So defensive run save generally had this system by which you got everything in one pile. You, you got your range, your throwing, and your positioning for the fielder in one big number. Um, we still have that big number, but now we're able to split it up into uh, different components. And we can tell you, okay, this guy's range component is this, this guy's throwing component is this, and the team's positioning component is this. We didn't think that it was fair or unfair, I guess, for a player to be uh, credited or blamed for his positioning because nowadays he's got the card and on the card, it says, you play here, you play there. This is where you play. It's out of the player's hands. So now we take the positioning aspect that becomes a team number, the range and the throwing. Those are skills. Those are things that a player does. And those 
become specifically credited to the player. So now we can isolate, and just to give you, I guess, like an example, you have Kyle Seeger, and I know he's not necessarily having a particularly good year statistically from a defensive standpoint, but just to say in a, in a good year for him, we know that Kyle Seeger has a very good throwing arm. Uh, we know that he is historically very accurate. We now can tell you where he rates among third basemen in terms of throwing arm ability to, in the end, do what every fielder you want them to do to get outs. And we can separate that from Kyle Seeger fields a lot of balls. We, we can look specifically at whether or not he is better throwing them than anybody else. And if we want to, we can combine everything together and we can give you the one big number that tells you how good a guy is. That's a very long-winded explanation of what defensive run saved is, but I guess just think of it as uh, you're having uh, your meal. Your meal is divided into appetizer, uh, main course, and dessert. And we are now dividing our defense into all the different aspects, positioning, range, throwing. How do you go about getting the number? So the number is uh, ascertained from all of baseball. And the, what I mean by that is we can tell you for any spot on the field, uh, for any speed at which a ground ball is hit at an infielder, uh, how often that ball is turned into an out. So if you wanted to say that ball, it's like right on the third base line, that ball's turned into an out when it's hit 85 miles an hour or faster, 20% of the time. Or we could tell you that that ground ball that's hit uh, in that kind of more typical third base position where a ball is hit uh, at 65 miles an hour, well, that's turned into an out 80% of the time. So we've got what the major league averages are for every spot on the field and for every velocity. And when I say spot, I'm talking like chunks, like a couple of feet uh, chunk of space. Uh, it's essentially, imagine like the board games that you might have played as a kid where the field is cut up into a grid. And in each grid, we can give you what the probability of getting an out in that spot is, depending on uh, how hard the ball was hit and how fast the runner is. So not to bury the lead, but the meat <laughs> of the article is that the Mariners have recorded the most outs in baseball to date because of their defensive positioning. Ten positioning runs saved seven from shifting, three from infield positioning when not using the shifts. Did this surprise you or did you go into this not having any preconceived notions? I had no preconceived notions because it's not, I feel like it's not something that you can pick off as you watch a game. And it's not something that you would like hear about from a broadcast crew because we don't know necessarily, like we think we know what good positioning might look like, but with the way that the game is played now and with players stationed all over the place, do we really know what good positioning looks like? I don't know. Um, so when we looked at it, yeah, the Mariners are among the best teams this year. Uh, it's like they're interchanging. The Mariners were in first at the time of the article. I think they may have dropped a spot, but they're, they're one of the top two or three. Uh, the Giants are very good and the Orioles are very good. Uh, and, and the thing to remember is that it's positioning. It's where did, uh, where did the team put the fielder? Did the team put the fielder in a position where he had a good chance to make the play? I should say everyone should go look at the article because your visuals that go along with it are excellent. I mean, you yep. really break down. I think you have four different plays, Mariners plays, where people get a great idea of exactly what that looks like. Right. And yeah, and so without the visual, think of it, I guess, this way. The Adam ground ball 
that's good positioning, right? Because the guy's right where the ball was hit. You predicted it just right. And they've been good with that, like Evan White, on the first, when they've had to kind of move him over to the first baseline. When they've played him off the bag, they've put him in the right spots. Uh, there have been a couple of instances. You don't have to have made the play. D. Gordon's been in the right spot. Ball was hit was a rocket that blew past him. You shouldn't be penalized for putting him in the right spot. You get rewarded because he was in the right spot. The ball just happened to blow past him. Um, so, yeah, the, the examples definitely um, make the piece um, and kind of, I guess, make this all a little easier to understand. Now, Mark, defensive run saved is something that even for those of us who live in the game every day can be a real challenge to explain to a doubter. To explain to somebody who's not a believer, Mark. So let me give you an example. Now, we're going to go from the infield to the outfield here, but hopefully the overall principles will remain the same. Sure. The other day against the Athletics, we saw Kyle Lewis in his bid to become Rookie of the Year make a Griffey-esque catch. I'm sure you saw the highlights of it. This thing was unbelievable. He robbed a grand slam, right? Now, when I happened to look at the defensive run saved this season for Kyle Lewis, now I was at a competitor's website. I'm very sorry, Mark, at Fangraphs. And maybe, and maybe that's the problem. <laughs> no, that, that that, they're, they're, they're getting their data from, from us. They have okay. variants. It's fine. You, uh, okay. We suggest you look wherever you need to look. Perfect. All right. So I had to humor myself and look at Kyle's defensive run saves this year, and it's two. Yep. Now, anybody could say, but wait a second he saved four runs because he caught a grand slam. Why isn't his defensive (laughs) run saved at least four, unless he was up minus two beforehand? So can you explain this to us in the most basic of ways why that is? Yeah, this is the hardest thing, I think, to get across to a lot of people. It's a theoretical stat. It's not a practical in-the-moment kind of thing. We work off the presumption that Kyle would have tried just as hard to catch that ball uh, if there was no one on base. Or if there were three men on base, he's trying just as hard uh, in any of those circumstances. So our reward for a home run robbery is not, oh, he saved four runs on that because it, was, it would have been a grand slam. We give every home run robbery the same amount of credit. So there could have been no one on base and he's still getting the same number. It's something like uh, generally 1.6 runs uh, of credit for the home run robbery. Now he's got two this year. Uh, the the thing that would keep a guy like that's numbers down is probably not something that you would pick up visually, but it would be the balls that fall in front of him. Uh, it would be the balls that he doesn't get to that are hit to the depth where he's playing, but he's running over into the gap and he comes up a step short or he dives and he misses and he comes up just a little bit short of the ball. Um, I'll give a, a like a numerical example for an imaginary player. Like we have the field gridded out, shallow, medium, and deep, and he could be um, he could have those catches, but he could be like forty of sixty on shallow when someone else is fifty of sixty on shallow. And center field's hard. There are so many good center fielders. Like the thirtieth best center fielder is probably like way better than most outfielders in baseball. So there's no shame in being like middle of the pack and defensive run saved in center field. You don't want to be last, but if you're 15th, like we get complaints all the time that we had Jackie Bradley Jr. too low. Everybody loves Jackie Bradley Jr. He's perfectly good. 
But I'm sorry, Lorenzo Cain's better, or Kiermaier's better, or Buxton's better. Um, so center field, I tend, especially for a guy like Kyle Lewis, who's young and still has some uh, plenty of time to get good, uh, I, I wouldn't be too worried about his defensive run saved as long as it's not terrible. Seems like we're getting more and more information all the time about what's going on on the field. How much do your formulas change? How much do you have these conversations about tweaking what you're doing? Is it just always evolving? Yeah, it is. Um, I know as we speak that there are some, there are some things uh, that, that we look at. Uh, I'll, I'll give you, I'm trying to think of a good example. There are, uh, <clears throat> with ground balls, People have said to us, well, not every ground ball is the same. Not every ground ball hit to spot number 32 on your grid is the same. Sometimes the shortstop's running towards the ball. Sometimes he's uh, running away from the base, and it's a much tougher throw that way. Uh, We try to factor things like that in. We haven't uh, necessarily into the defensive run saved number yet, but we have other statistics that look at like, okay, was the guy good sprinting to the ball? Was the guy good uh, when he had to leave his feet? Uh, We have all sorts of other things to go with it. So yes, in answer to your question, things are constantly being tinkered with. Uh, Things are constantly being looked at. Uh, The change that we got that allowed us to see the range positioning and throwing divided up, uh, that took years. Uh, And I'm just the liberal arts guy in a field of quants. Uh, They're all very sharp. Uh, they know what they're doing. I listen, uh, I take it in, and then I try and uh, summarize it to people like you guys. We have just a couple of minutes left with Mark Simon from Sports Info Solutions. Mark, the Mariners, as you know, have already one of the best defensive first basemen in the game in Evan White and somebody who the Mariners uh, see as a cornerstone piece, cornerstone piece for many years to come. It does feel like when you look at the defensive numbers for first baseman, it feels like every other position is starting with a 30-foot lead in the race, and then there are first basemen running behind them, lagging. How do you go about valuing the defensive element for a first baseman? Yeah, this is a common issue, and I, I think I'm somewhat with the crowd on, on that, and I think we can still continue to get better. The numbers are good. Um, so first basemen are hurt for a couple of reasons. One is that um, they like shortstops get more balls. Uh, you know, the other guys get a lot of balls. Uh, and so the first baseman's defensive run save number is not necessarily going to be as high. Second, the thing that I think visually that we value a first baseman for more than anybody else is uh, is how he handles throws, right? But what we've found is that for the most part, that guys that handle throws, they're fairly close. Like the guy who's great is not that much different from the guy who's like 15th. So Freddie Freeman, who's one of the the better ones, or Joe Maurer, uh, when he was playing one of the better ones, uh, they get like a small bump for that in our system, but it's not like a 10-run bump. It's like a one or a two-run bump. And then the guys that are at the bottom, they only suffer a run or two because everyone's pretty much all cluttered together. They got, like everyone can scoop. I guess that's that's the point. We don't necessarily think that. We think our guy's the best scooper, but just about everybody can scoop. Uh, so I think that's why the numbers come down a little bit. I'll give you one tidbit on Evan White. Um, 
we have our defensive run save, but we also have this fun thing that we do uh, that we call good fielding plays and defensive misplays and errors. Good fielding plays are like your top fives on um, quick pitch or your web gems on baseball tonight, but also things like ground ball in the hole, man on second, you cut the ball off, can't make the play, and the run doesn't score. The guy just goes to third base. You saved a run from scoring. That doesn't necessarily show up in defensive run save, but in our good fielding plays, it counts. You kept the ball in the infield. You get a credit for that. You get a little bump for that, uh, and it winds up showing up in your big total. Um, Evan White has the most of anyone in baseball, uh, and that's a combination of scoops and nice catches and nice plays and nice jobs on ground balls and starting double plays and, and all the different things that you can do to earn a good fielding play from us. Uh, he is number one ahead of Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story. And those are good guys to be ahead of. But the first baseman usually wind up at the top because they get credit for the scoops, um, even if they're not necessarily worth that much. So he has a little bit of a head start there, but that's still a good list to be number one on. Absolutely. Not a surprise for those of us who have watched Evan White every day so far this season. Mark, we know you're a busy man. We are thrilled every time we have a chance to catch up with you. Thank you so much for the time. You got it, guys. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.